0: listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, everybody. How you doing? How you feeling? You got an extra hour sleep this morning, right? You know, falling back. Yeah, we clap for sleep. That's right. Falling back is so much better than springing forward. Amen. I think we should just fall back every fall and spring. You know, we'd be up at like midnight normal time but it'd be okay we'd be at school it'd be dark it'd be all right right working in the dark but uh man I'm excited about today um we've already seen three people who got baptized at nine o'clock and don't worry the water is warm even though the air is not so you won't freeze to death nobody died at the last one. in fact we have a perfect record so far nobody's died during our baptisms and so if you decide today that it's your time to be baptized I feel pretty confident you'll survive it if not we know where you're going so anyway it'll be all right and uh, so Thankful uh, that, that uh, for those who made that decision today, though, and uh, those of you who today, maybe you came in knowing you'd be baptized today. And maybe before the service is over, God moves in your heart and you know you need to be baptized today. We're going to be talking about that some towards the end of this message. But if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 11. We're going to start there. Um, we're doing the second week of this series called T-minus, T- T-minus being T minus 10, 9, you know, that whole thing. Um, Because we believe that Luke 2 really points us to the launching pad of the church, which was the coming of the Spirit of God, which really propelled the believers, the church, to go forward continuing the ministry that Jesus had begun. And so this is a continuation, the book of Acts is a continuation of the Spirit moving through uh, the followers of Jesus to continue his work in a way, not in in the sense of scripture, but in the sense of uh, practically, the book of Acts is a book that never really ends. It continues for eternity because we continue to do the acts of Jesus, the acts of the spirit working through us as we go through our lives. We're going to be in Acts two today, but first we're going to go and read Luke 11 verses five through 13, and then we're going to jump in and see what God has to say to us today about his spirit and about his promises to us. So Luke 11 verse five, we're going to read through 13. We'll pray. We'll get going. Here it goes. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, so Jesus is teaching, this is a parable he's teaching, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. So this guy's in bed, it's late, uh, his buddy's wanting to borrow some bread and this is his response. Then one, the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are in bed. in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. God, thank you for your spirit. Thank you that he is here now among us. God, I recognize that even though we are in a school, God, we're on holy ground because you're present. Lord, I pray you'll speak to us through your word. God, do a great work in our hearts, God. God, cut us to the core of our being. Remove anything that's not of you. And God, let us rejoice in our relationship with you. God, I pray again that this would not just come with persuasive words, but with power. That not be good, but let it be powerful, Lord, um, as your word is proclaimed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if you have children or you know somebody with children, um, I was thinking about this this week and my three-year-old Reed is a good example of this. How many of you have come to the realization and you recognize that children are very persistent when they want something. In fact, I've learned this. My three-year-old does not say anything one time. And so the other day we were doing some, I was working on something. He was watching me and he he starts going, I want to be like you, daddy. 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 In fact, if you want to know who my three-year-old is, go down to the the, uh, children's area today, look for the three-year-old redhead with a shirt that looks almost like me in Boots, and that would be my three-year-old redhead because he wants to be like Daddy. So he would just say it over and over, "I want to be like you, Daddy. I want to be like you, Daddy. I want to be like you, Daddy." And here's the hard part. Here's the challenge of that. One is it's cute and it's funny. Oh, how sweet! But then it's like the responsibility hits me. Right? He's like he wants to be like Daddy, and he wants to be like Daddy a lot because he keeps saying it over and over and over again. And the other day we were hunting, and he wanted a, a scabbard, a knife holder. Right, is what he calls it. And so he had this little play toy knife, and he had to have something to put it in. Why? Because I have a knife that goes into the scabbard, and so he's like. Daddy, I need a knife holder. 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 Can I have a knife holder? Can I have a knife holder? We'll go get you one later, son. Not right now. Can I have a knife holder? 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 And it was either duct tape his mouth or get find a knife holder, right? And so I finally just took my knife out and just gave him mine, right? Even though it didn't fit. I had to like somehow put a plug in that hole, right? Just to just to make him hush. But but you see the persistence in children. And when we read this text that we just read, one of the things that God is doing is He's saying, listen, you give gifts to your children, um, even though you're not like God, you're evil compared to God's holiness. You give gifts to your children when they ask. Um, He says, even though uh, this person would not get out of bed because he was this other person's friend, he got out because of his boldness and his persistence in asking. And so what we begin to see is God does this thing. You hear me talk about a lot. He does this lesser to greater argument is what Jesus is teaching us. He's saying, listen, if, if, if you give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father want to give you the Holy Spirit and the things that are necessary for your good and his glory. Right. And so he wants us to see this, that it's this lesser to greater. If if this friend, uh, so-called friend who wouldn't even get up and get a loaf of bread, I don't know if that's a friend or not. If he won't get up, he's saying, listen, God's not that way. Listen, God God. God is ready to give you his spirit. He he wants to give you his presence. And, And so I want you to see this today. As I prayed about this message all week long and just thinking about it, I was up after midnight Friday just trying to figure out, God, where do you want this to go? What is it you want to say? Because there was so much there to say. There was so much that was in my heart. The one question that God kept putting in my heart and I finally concluded I was supposed to tell you or ask you today is this one. Why do we settle for less? Why do we settle for less? When God clearly says, I will pour out my spirit on you. I'll give you the spirit. If you ask to those who seek, you will find to those who ask you'll receive. And to those who knock, the door will be open. Why do we settle for less? Why don't we take God up on his offer to have more of him? Because God promises this to us, right? That if we ask, he'll give us his spirit. There is no greater gift that God gives than his spirit. So why church do we settle for less? Why are some of us on the outside looking in of the community of God don't really have a relationship with God. And yet God says, if you'll come to me as I've made a way for you to come, I will open the door to my throne room. You can come into my presence, even though you are sinful as we all are, you can come into my presence simply because of what I've done through Christ. Why is it that many of us, our relationship with God is stale and dry, not because God wants it to be that way, but because we simply won't come to him. We settle for less. We settle for get by with God. We settle for not enough, but that's okay because I can try to find some other way to fulfill my desires in this world. Uh, I don't understand why we do this, but we can fall easily into this trap of settling for less. Do you know, I don't want us to settle for less. In fact, if we're going to settle church, if we're going to settle as individuals for less than what God wants us to have, and if we're going to settle as a church for less than what God wants us to have, I say we close the doors and let's don't do this anymore. Right? Right? Let's 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 either get serious and go after God, or let's just don't do this anymore. Let's don't play. Let's don't play around with it. This is serious stuff. This is holy stuff. This is eternal stuff. Let's either get after God or get on doing something different. My my challenge and my encouragement is let's don't settle for less, because see as you turn, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter two now. I want you to see that the text that we're going to read today is 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 full of God's promises, promises that have been fulfilled the assurity of that the promises will be fulfilled, and then we see the promises enacted, this, this section that we're gonna to read today, 14 through 41, it's really three sections, it's broken up, you can really see it in three different ways. You can see that God fulfills a promise um, as Peter explains Pentecost and what happened in verses one through 13. You remember the spirit comes. Um, we talked about this last week and some of them were in awe, some of them accused him of having been drunk, right? We're gonna hear their response in just a minute. Uh, then, then as he begins to tell them what has taken place, and so I want to walk through two fourteen through twenty or 41 today with you. And I want you to see um, God's promises. And I pray that your heart will be stirred so that we don't settle for less of God. We should be people. We should be a church that's pressing into God like Plato. You remember when you were little and you'd stuff Plato into a mold. And the harder you stuffed it in there, the more detailed it would become. That's how our lives should be. As we press into God, he fills us and he keeps pressing us into this mold where we begin to look like him. He doesn't rob us of our personality. He does make us a fuddy-duddy or whatever that is they say, he, but he makes us alive in him and he begins to shape us in his image. But we need to be a people who press into him, a people who go after him, a people who ask, a people who seek, a people who knock continuously. God, give us more, give us more, knowing that he's a good heavenly father who wants to pour more into our lives. So we haven't yet experienced all there is to God. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. I don't care how long you've been praying and worshiping. There's still more to God than we we have experienced. So look at Acts 2, 14. And this is after they're accused of having too much sweet wine, cheap wine, right? They went to the store and bought the stuff off the shelf at the time saver is basically what they're saying. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He says, "Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem." So Peter is speaking on the behalf of the disciples. He's speaking to Jews who've come from all over to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, and he's speaking to Jews who live there in Jerusalem. He says, "Let me explain this to you. Everything we're going to read from here on is an explanation of Pentecost. It's an explanation of the happening of Pentecost and the Spirit coming. It's an explanation of how we know these promises are sure, and it's an explanation of how people come to life in Christ." And he goes on in verse 15. He says, "This is." listen carefully to what I say. And I pray in the next few minutes that you will listen carefully to what word, the word of God says and it will set your heart on fire for him. Verse 15, these men are not drunk. So here comes the great defense. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Give us till six and we'll be hammered, right? I mean, it's almost, it's like there's no, <laughs> that's his only defense is this nine. You know what I mean? We, the, the store, the liquor store is not even open yet. And he's like, yeah, that's his only defense. And so he's like, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so he's saying something very important. He's saying, this is something that's been spoken of. He's saying, open up your eyes and see that this coming, this spirit coming is something that Joel had prophesied. He had talked about this. This is not something that should be foreign to you. This is something that you should recognize. In the next few verses, I want to really tell you the purpose of Pentecost or the explanation of Pentecost and what Peter says it was for. And this should really ignite our heart. This should make us go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over Jesus and what he's given us. because He. He has poured out his spirit on us as we're about to read. He says, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, all people are all people who would come to God by faith. All people who would come and say yes to Jesus. All people who would follow him. He says, I will pour out my spirit on on them. And I want you to understand, I want you to get an image of this. This is not a sprinkling pouring out. This is not taking the little thing you water your flowers with and sprinkling a little water. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying and what it literally means when he says poured out is an abundant pouring. It means this, it's like a, the best way to describe it would be a tropical storm rain. Have you ever been in a tropical storm rain? It just seems like it's never going to quit raining. seems like it's raining an inch every 30 minutes, right? Maybe it was. It just comes down in a pour. And this is what he's saying. He's saying God gives the spirit liberally to all of those who desire him, all of those who come to him. He will pour out his spirit if you seek, if you ask, if you knock. He pours it out on his children, not in a little bit, but in a lot. That's the type of outpouring that was prophesied in Joel. That's the type of outpouring that came on the day of Pentecost. That's the type of outpouring that God wants us to walk in and experience in our lives. Not a little bit of him, but all of him. As he pours out his spirit in our lives. He doesn't want us stale, living on old bread. His mercies are new every morning. We should be feasting, not begging for a little piece of bread. Because God says, I'll give you all that you can possibly eat until you are overflowing with my presence. Y'all better get more into this than this now, I'm telling you. All right, verse 17. At the end, he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Into verse 18, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those in those days and they will prophesy. He's saying, this is what's happened. And he wants us to understand that all people would be empowered. It's not based off of their, if you look at this text, off of their sex, off of whether they're male or female. He says, your sons and daughters. He says, it's not based off of your age. It's your young men and your old men. He says, it's not even based off of your, rank. He says, because Jesus has come and the, 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 the ground is level at the foot of the cross. He's saying all people have now come into the presence of God by the same means, by Christ. And he's saying, I have poured out my spirit, not based on sex, not based on age, not based on rank, not based on color, not based on how much money you have, not based on anything else other than have you put your faith in Christ. And he says, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. He goes on and talks about how everyone would be gifted, that everyone will prophesy and so you hear people say prophesy and you think you ought to be like prophesy (laughs) right I mean because you think it's more like thus says the Lord and we think about it but you know what prophecy is when you proclaim the word of God God's word to other people and so what he's saying is every person who receives the spirit and who receives Jesus becomes a carrier of that word to proclaim it to the nations to go we thought about that last week go listen to last week's message if you can tolerate it and maybe you'll hear that again Verse 18, he goes on and keeps talking about how they will prophesy so all people be be empowered, set apart. Listen to verses 19 and 20. This is really cool. He says, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. You know, when Jesus was crucified, the Bible says that it went dark, the skies darkened. And it also talks about the ground shaking. I believe that what, what Joel was referring to is yes, the coming, the last day when Jesus comes back. But I also believe that he's saying this, that when the spirit of God comes and our sins are paid for and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it is gonna be a creation shaking, a universe shaking event that begins to change everything he's basically saying that all of creation every single molecule every strand of DNA will be shaken and will begin to take notice of what has happened he said this is a creation shaking universal universe universe shaking event right he goes on in verse 21 he says and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved not only is it shaking creation, not only is it shaking the universe, not only does it begin to change everything, but it begins to shake and change eternity as well. Isn't this great news that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? In other words, there's no one who would call upon the name of Jesus who Jesus would refuse. No matter who or what you are. He says everyone. If you look at the Greek, that word means everyone. Right. All people who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is the promise of God that we would receive his spirit, that we will be saved from our sin, that we be made one again with God, that we will become a part of a universe shaking people, a community of believers that become unstoppable, as we talked about for the last three weeks before for last week and then get confused about sundays they run together and and there's the thing he says you'll be a part of this you'll be a part of this ground shaking earth shaking universe shaking eternity shaking movement that jesus began and that's going to continue throughout eternity this is the promise he says this is the promise of god section two i believe and this if you want to divide it up into sections would be beginning in verse 22 and I believe that this is to tell us, this next section is really to tell us upon whom our hope of this promise rests. Because isn't it one thing to have a promise, but isn't it another thing to trust the one who gave you the promise? Like you can promise me the world, you can promise me anything you want to, but if I don't believe you, it doesn't mean anything. Right? And he wants us to know the one upon whom our, this promise and this work of God that he's gonna do is going to rest. And so Peter begins to explain this and listen to what he says first when he begins to address the Israelites and he begins to address these Jewish people and he begins to tell them about whom their hope is in or should be in. He says, men of Israel in verse 22, listen to this, Jesus of Nazareth, he comes with it quickly, doesn't he? He said, if you want to know upon whom your hope rests, and if you want to know through whom this promise comes, then it is none other than Jesus of Nazareth. There's only one name by which you can be saved. There's only one name by which you can receive this spirit. There's only one name by which you can become part of this community of believers. His name is Jesus, and he goes straight to it. He's very clear, and this is is who your hope rests upon. And listen to this, he says, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God. And he says, so listen, if you think that it's just Jesus of Nazareth and we're making this up, he was accredited by God. What does accredited mean? It means that he was recognized to have reached a certain standard. He was uh, recognized with a certain authority. He was accredited uh, by God as his son, as the Messiah, as the Savior. And so you see that he was a man accredited by God. And how was he accredited? Wouldn't that be the logical next question? How was he accredited? Glad you asked that. I'm glad you're thinking along with me. I can feel it. You're thinking along with me. A man accredited by God to you, how? By miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. He's saying, You saw these miracles as we did. You know that God accredited him, God God attested him as his son, the Messiah, the Christ. You saw these with miracles. And he's saying, You know this. And see, here's a question that I get a lot. Because it'd be easy to go, well, yeah, if I saw a miracle. I'd believe if I saw a miracle, I probably would trust. If I saw a miracle, I'd probably live for God. If I saw a miracle, I'd want more of God. But here's the problem. Listen, listen, the question I get is why don't we see more miracles? I tell you, we do see miracles. We just don't acknowledge them as miracles. We see miracles all around us and see miracles in this represents the power of God. He's saying you saw the power of God. How can you deny God? How can you deny that this, this is the son of God when you saw what he did? And see, we would say we don't see miracles. Well, you don't see miracles of healing. Yes, we do. I've seen miracles of healing. One time when one of my sons, who remained nameless, was was small, and we used to play a game, and it was called Super Underwear Boy, right? And, and let me explain it. It was a superhero called Super Underwear Boy, upon whom my son was the star, right? He was the superhero. And so we'd run around the house and he would run around in his underwear, usually before bath time while the water was getting warm and he would rescue dogs, cats, people, me, you know, whatever it was that he was gonna rescue that day. And he would rescue him, and, and you know, it'd be super underwear boy to the rescue, right? And so um, one time though, he got a stomach virus. He was really, 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 really sick. I mean, I've never seen so much, come. And this is gross, but come out of a 3 year I didn't know, I was like, where's this coming from? I was like, is there a hose attached to his back? I don't know where this is coming from. And so he was so sick, he couldn't hold his head up. And like, I would literally hold him and he would lay his head back and like his eyes were just almost in, in, in his the back of his head because he was just so weak. And so I was running bathwater, Susan was in there, we were very concerned and we were doing what the doctors told us to do and so finally the bathwater got ready I put him in the bathtub he would just lay there and finally I was like you know what I've kind of had enough of this I felt sort of this little little, little holy righteous anger thing coming up inside of me and I was like you know the Bible says that if we call the elders of the church together and we anoint them with oil and oil representing the Holy Spirit then we pray for them then they'll get well and I figured at that point I was at least a leader in the church I'm like I'm close enough to an elder let's go get the oil but I didn't have any oil you know those little can, little things of oil that they sell where you got the prayer oil I didn't have any but I did have some Wesson, right? And so I went and I opened up the cabinet above the stove and I got the Weston, I jammed my fingers down in there, I got it like this, I got like oil running down my hand and I go in there and I put it on his forehead and I said, you know, we, we prayed this prayer of faith just believing that God would heal him. And I, I, I didn't know what God would do. I don't know what God would do in the next time. All I can tell you is that when we prayed and we believed and we anointed him with oil, the spirit of God did come and move in his body. I mean, within the, within just a few seconds, he starts splashing in the water so that we go from consuming concerned that he's sick to concern that he's going to destroy the sheetrock next to the tub right so we go from I hope he gets better to boy you better quit splashing that water you know what I'm saying and we can rationalize that away you can say well it was just the tub water that made him well really if that's all you got man that's bad because here's the reality God still heals God does miracles God does listen you sit here today because of a miracle you are sitting here in this church today Because of a miracle. But God, I can tell you, this church shouldn't be here. If not for the grace of God, this church would not be here. I've made so many mistakes doing things, not like trying to mess it up, just by making mistakes because grace has covered everyone. And see, it's a miracle, not because of the number of people, not because it went from seven to about 1,200 in less than five years, really. It's a miracle because of the heart change. Listen, anybody can draw a crowd, but only God can change a heart. And the moment that the heart change stops and the moment that the heart change ceases and the moment that the life change ceases, then we need to go somewhere else. Because God calls us to be a people who change hearts as He works through us. And so after Dave had gotten to feeling better, I go back to this. He, he jumps out of the tub and he's like, Daddy, let's play Super Underwear Boy. And I'm like, Let's do it, son. You know? <laughs> and we're both running around in our underwear, like, Woohoohoohoo! Super Underwear Boys. You know what I mean? And it was one of those things where Susan's like, You need to stop running around. He's going to be. I'm like, No, he's well. Let's just do this. Come on, Dave. Let's celebrate, right? Because it's just the power of God. You can look at creation and see the power of God. How many times have you looked at a sunrise, looked at a sunset, when's the last time you just stopped to look at the stars and recognize the power of God? You can go sit in the the woods, as I do many times, I just go and sit and just look at creation and recognize the power of God. See, here's what's sad is I've, I've sat in the woods enough that, that I can recognize the voice of creation as, as in the sense of I can hear a hawk and know what the hawk sounds like. I can hear a crow and know what a crow sounds like. I can hear a squirrel or a bird or a deer coming through the woods and I can tell you which one it is, not even by looking, but by what they sound like. I've learned all of these things and many of you could do the same thing. And if it's not in the woods, maybe it's in the mall. You can hear the sound of a bargain. I don't know what it is for you. But (laughs) the thing I would tell you is is this. Isn't it sad that we can sit in creation and we can hear creation and we can understand the voice of creation. And yet for many of us, we're still missing the voice of the creator. How sad. Because God is speaking. God wants more. Why are we settling for less, right? And so he's attested by miracles, by wonders. See, the miracles, the power brought all. And then the awe was assigned to them that he is who he says he is. And so we have this that testifies, these miracles, these wonders, and these signs that point to the fact that he is who he says he is. You go on and he says, this man was handed over to you. But to who? To you. By God's set purpose and foreknowledge. In other words, according to God's plan, he was handed over. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Another way that we see that Jesus is who he says he is is through his death. See, it's upon his death that we have our promise secured because Jesus's death was different than any other death. Listen, everybody dies, yes, but nobody has or ever will die with the purpose of Jesus's death. Again, the only one person, Jesus himself, had that purpose in death. And it was, listen, it was foretold by Jesus himself and hundreds of others before him. I don't have time to get into all of it now. I can tell you though that that is truth. There's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy that speaks of the death of Jesus, how it would be done. There would be crucifixion, that he would rise again. All of these different things that pointed to his death. I want you to see that in his death, the perfect died for the imperfect. So you can't die for me. The reason you can't die for me and take my sin is because you're almost as big of a sinner as I am, right? Yeah. See, See, what's already dirty can't make something clean and we're all dirty because of our own sin. See, if this table was dirty, I couldn't take a dirty cloth and make it clean. I'd have to have a clean cloth to clean it. See, Jesus was clean, but he became dirty because he took our dirt so that we could become clean. And then he took our punishment so that we wouldn't have to be punished. He was punished for your sin. Isn't that incredible that God would do that for us? That the clean became dirty so that we could become clean. What an awesome God. See, not even Judas, not Caiaphas, not Pilate, not 30 pieces of silver, not even your sin put Jesus on a cross. See, our sin was, it required a savior, but it could not demand it. Jesus put himself on the cross. God put himself on the cross for us. So in his death, we see this take place. 24, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. This is cool, the agony. Agony literally means birth pains. In Greek, it literally means birth pains. In other words, he went through agony so that new life could be birthed. Isn't that crazy? That's so cool. I'm glad y'all like that. Because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So we also see that he was accredited by his resurrection. His resurrection proves that his, his sacrifice to death was acceptable to God. So God raised him from the dead. He brought him to life. Body, soul, spirit was brought back to life. And so his resurrection accredits him as the savior. Then he goes on and he says in verse 25, he says, David said about him, this is being King David, And then, see, Peter quotes King David. King David was huge to the Jewish people. And they knew that there would be one who would sit on his throne forever, meaning coming from the lineage of David. Someone would sit on his throne. And so what Peter's about to do is he's about to compare and contrast Jesus with David and point to the fact that David could not have been speaking about himself. And so he says, brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. "...but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ." that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. And he he gives us this witness of the Old Testament prophecy. He says, listen, guys, let's walk over here. I can show you the tomb of David. We can go find his bones. They are there. David wasn't speaking of himself. He was speaking of one who was to come. And he was speaking of one specifically Jesus who would not die, who would not see decay, but would be raised to life and experience the resurrection power of God as the first fruits that's the first one to come of many who would be born of the spirit and so we see he's talking about uh, Jesus he's pointing them to prophecy prophecy is a witness the old testament is a witness to Jesus verse 32 God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact the second witness we see in this so you got the witness of the old testament and the prophecies the second witness we see in this is the apostles and the disciples who were there They saw Jesus resurrected. You know how we know how they saw Jesus resurrected? When they were about to crucify Peter upside down, if Jesus had not done what he said he would do and what they saw him do, when they were about to drive the nails in his hands, don't you think he'd go, hey guys, this was all just a joke. I was kidding. But they saw it, they knew it. That's why they were willing to die for it. They knew it was true. They wouldn't die for a lie. And so we see them coming to Christ and and following him even to the point of death. And I want you to grab that. I want you to see that that witness testifies. It accredits God as the Savior, as Jesus, as the Savior. It accredits him. It shows him. It points to him that he is who he says he is. So there's two witnesses. There's the witness of the prophecy and the Old Testament. And then there's the witness of the apostles and the New Testament. This is important and this is cool. And if you're asleep, you're going to miss it. But it's really cool. Deuteronomy tells us, that's the Old Testament book, tells us that on the testimony of two witnesses, someone could be put to death for a crime. You know what's really cool is Peter gives us two witnesses and he says, upon the testimony of these two witnesses, if you will only believe you can be brought to life. Isn't that cool? The two witnesses that would bring death or the two witnesses that would bring life. See, see, we could have where God says, I've got two witnesses that said you sinned and sin equals death, pow, right? But instead we have a God who says, listen, I'm gonna give you two witnesses, the Old Testament prophecy and my apostles and their word. And in that, I can bring you life if you'll just believe them. It's established with two witnesses. It was huge to the Jews. And then he says, and these are the two promises I'm gonna fulfill, verse 32 and 33. We just read 32, let's read 33. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. He's saying this is the pouring out of the Spirit that Joel has talked about. I want he says he says, listen, guys, listen, there's two things that you were promised that you can receive through Jesus that these two witnesses testify to. He says, one of them is the forgiveness of sins, which was bought and paid for by the cross and by his death and by his resurrection. And he says the second thing is the giving of the Holy Spirit. that when he went to the Father, he sent his spirit back to live in you, to be, be God in you. It's why Jesus could say, it's better for me to go away that he may come because I can be in one place, but he can be in all people who would confess his name. That's why God is closer than a friend. That's why God lives in you. That's why we ought to be excited when somebody talks about the Holy Spirit. That's why we ought not hold our head down. Oh gosh, shut up. And we ought to be excited about somebody talking about what God's done for us, about giving us the spirit of God. We ought to be on fire thinking, wow, what an awesome God. Not only did he gives us his son, but that he accredits him in all these ways so that we don't have to check our mind at the door to believe like you do in every other religion, but it actually is logical it actually makes sense because God is a God of order he ordered these things so we could know who Jesus is but our eyes are darkened our understanding is darkened it's like a veil is over our face and I pray that God would remove this veil that we can see him in all of his glory look at verse 36 he says therefore let all Israel be assured of this God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ He's saying, listen, be assured. Here's a great thing about it. In verse 22, this is cool too. Don't miss it. This is really good. He says, this man was accredited. He gives all the accreditation. And then he says in verse 36, he says, now rest assured. He is who he says he is. How do we know he is who he says he is? Because he's accredited. He, he, He is clearly God that there's no reason that we could even doubt this. I was thinking about this. I was like, God, why do we settle for less? Why would we settle for less when all of these promises are for us? Why do we settle for less when we know that it's sure that the promises of this Jesus of Nazareth are yes and amen, that he fulfilled them all. He fulfills them all. He gives us all that we need, all that's necessary for life. And I was praying about this and then I read verse 37. This is about midnight the other night. He said, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And then it hit me why we don't have uh, this, this desire for more of God, why we don't see it, why we don't want it, why we settle for less. And this is going into this third section, if you want to break it up into sections. But it hit me when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. You know what I realized? We haven't many, many of us haven't, many of us it's grown stale, haven't been cut to the heart. We haven't been cut to the heart by the gospel we really don't understand what he's done we don't really see what it means it's why we want the preacher to tap dance and do all kinds of crap up here so that you can pay attention rather than just talking about the word of god it's why we can't open our bibles it's why we can't pray it's why we can't get up and get to church on time but we can get to a ball game four hours early if that makes you mad i am sorry But the reality of it is I care too much about you, I care too much about his word, and I care too much about His church to let us drift along, selling for less when there's so much more. We may be down to 200 people when we open that building up in, in February. But by golly, we'll be people pursuing Jesus, right? And if you're not, then listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get on board. I don't want to push you away. I want you to be drawn in. My prayer is today that your heart would be cut. See, for many of us, our heart's never been cut. It's never been cut, and when I say that, I mean cut at the core of our being by the gospel, recognizing Jesus for who he says he is, recognizing that he is who he says he is, recognizing that he, he, he wants to do in our lives what he said he would do. I pray that if that's you and you've never had that relationship, that you would come to that relationship but for many of us, we've been cut and, and we would say we're saved, but here's the reality of it, it's grown stale. And you know why it's grown stale? Is because we've let a bunch of crap, a bunch of junk get in around our heart. And it's time that God takes out his sword, the word of God, and he begins to slice off all of this stuff that's beginning to clutter and keep us from having this relationship with him. That he begins to remove things that are hindering us from following him. And so this is where we begin to see this. We haven't been cut, man, we, 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 we've settled. And then listen to what they say. Brothers, what shall we do? This is the people who heard Peter. What shall we do? What shall we do? See, they, they, they were looking for relief from their sin. Why? Because they were cut to the heart, literally meaning that they came to terms, they recognized, they became conscious of their spiritual condition. We need relief. What do we do? Peter says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all, he says it again, whom the Lord our God will call. He says, listen, 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 no matter if you're close, if you're far this morning, it doesn't matter if you're right up next to God and you've been walking with God and you feel close to God, or if you feel far off, you know what the Bible says? It says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. You know what it says? Maybe you've wandered. Maybe your heart's wandered. Maybe you feel like you've drifted away from him. You've been saved, but you've walked away. You've turned your back. Your heart's wandered. You know what he tells us to do? To repent and turn to the Lord and, and, and you can be renewed in this relationship, refreshed in this relationship, that that's what God would have you to do today. And so Peter tells him, repent. And I want you to understand that faith and repentance always come together. Because listen, you can't turn from sin if you have nothing else to turn to. Repentance is simply a turning. Repentance is a way of life. It's a way of living. It's not just one moment of time. It's moments in time. As you follow God, you turn from sin and you turn to God. But it also requires faith. And faith is belief in who Jesus is. But it's also trusting him with your life and with your salvation and with all of eternity. And giving him who you are. I'm saying yes to him. And see, faith and repentance always go together. And when faith and repentance exist, obedience happens. That's why they were repented and they were baptized because they knew that was their next step. So you can't say you want more of God if you're unwilling to take the next step God's already given you. Let me say that one. You can't say you want more of God if you're unwilling to take the next step that God's already given you that they repented, they came to faith, and they were baptized. We learn in verse 41 that there were 3,000 that were baptized. I say we ought to just pray that one day God would use us to see 3,000 people come to faith in Christ in one day. Why not, why not, right, why not? And so we see this. And so God calls us to faith and repentance and obedience. And I know in here today there are many who need to repent, but many of us won't. What keeps us from repenting? One of those things is pride. It's our pride, our our foolish pride, but pride leads to destruction. We would rather destroy ourselves than humble ourselves before God. Some of it's selfishness. Listen, we would rather have our sin than have God. We'd rather have what we want than what God says is best for us. And so we we don't turn to him. We don't go after him. We'd rather have what he wants. It's a lack of desire for God. Again, we'd rather have this than this. It's not being honest with ourselves or God, Listen, when's the last time you just sat for two seconds and, and actually let God examine your heart or you examine your heart, let God plunder around, you plunder around, God, what's in here that's not pleasing? What's in here that needs to go? God, what is it that's hindering me from the fullness of joy and life and love in you? What is it that needs to be shaken out of me that needs to be cut away? Is it greed? Is it is it is it lust, pornography, adultery? Maybe not even adultery with someone other than your spouse. What if, well, maybe it's adultery against God. There's something that you love more than God. And for me, I mean, it may be for you. It's, it's, it's like I have to even guard against like hunting and, and hobbies because it's easy for them to creep in and begin to hinder not only my walk with God, but ministry. We have to be careful. When's the last time you examine yourself? So some of us, we don't repent because we forget that God's mercies are new every morning, right? I had a guy this week, he's like, well, if I repent, I'll just be repenting all the time. I'm like, that's the point. It's a constant turning. It's a constant turning to God. It's kind of like baseball. If you play baseball or softball, you know, you don't stay in that sweet spot of the right swing for very long. It kind of comes and goes. It's up and it's down. It's it's never perfect for very long. And, And so baseball and hitting is a constant correction back to that sweet spot. Nobody keeps it right the whole time, but the reality of it is, in the same way, our life with God is like that. And repentance brings us back in line with His will, His word. It brings us back in line with um, being in that relationship with Him and following Him. Our walk with Jesus is a constant course correction as we follow Him. None of us get it all right, but there is a desire in us that says, let's pursue Him and don't forget that His mercies are new every morning. There's an opportunity for us every day to come back in line with God's word. Verse 38, he tells them to repent, be baptized. He tells them the promises for them and those who are far off. Verse 41, he says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is huge. The the, the 3,000 were added to their number that day. They repented, they came to faith, then they were obedient and they were baptized. The next question I would ask is why, why were they baptized? What was the point of baptism? See, baptism is a physical representation of a spiritual reality. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. It's when you say, this has happened inside of me. I've made this choice. I've I've received this. God's done this. Now I'm going to live this out through his strength. And there's some things that it shows us. When you go under the water and you come up, it's representing the fact that you went from death to life by faith in Christ. It's representing the water taking the sin off of you. Uh, It's it's symbolic of Jesus lifting off your sin. I wanna be very clear, the water does not save you. Let me tell you, if you get baptized today and you have not placed your faith, your belief and trust in Jesus, then you are a wet sinner, right? (laughs) I don't know why they say it. You know, I, I got baptized when I was a teenager and you know what I was? I was a wet sinner. If I died, I would have busted the gates of hell wide open. With a wet forehead, that's all I would have And so we, we need to come to this place and realize the water doesn't save us, it's faith in Jesus. Why be baptized? Because it's humbling ourselves before God and man. It's identifying with Jesus who humbled himself even to the point of death. Why be baptized? Because it's saying that we have and will submit to God's authority. Saying that you are Lord. Not only are you Savior, but you are Lord of my life. I no longer call the shots, but you do. Baptism is saying that I put my faith, my belief and trust in who he is, what he said he will do, and what he will do. Baptism is saying that I'll align myself with Jesus' teachings. In other words, I'll become obedient to him. Baptism is saying that we put our faith in the cross and his death and his resurrection. Baptism is saying that I'll become a part of and submit my life to his new community, the church. And see, baptism is for every believer to participate in. Why? Because Jesus said so. Because it's our outward expression of what's happened to us inwardly. It's a demonstration of our faith, Jesus said this, he said basically that if we're ashamed of him before man, then he'll be ashamed of us before his heavenly father. But if we acknowledge him before men, he'll acknowledge us before his heavenly father. This is one way we acknowledge him. It's also, it's our identification with him. It's saying I belong to him. I'll be a part of his church, his people. It's saying I've gone from death to life. It's saying he's my Lord, he's my savior. And this is who it's for. It's for any person who is a believer in Jesus and has not been baptized as a believer in Jesus. Listen, my oldest son was baptized as a baby. But the thing I'll tell you is this, we did that in hopes that one day he would confirm that decision. Right? It's not a bad thing. Praise God for parents that want to raise their children in the church and, and to, to follow Jesus. But everything we see in the Bible is this, is, is this believers who are being baptized. For some of you you, you, you need to be baptized by your own decision, not your friend's decision. And please, Lord Jesus, don't get baptized to try to make your, make your wife happy right if things are rocky at home there's some other steps we need to take rather than getting baptized to try to make that right and we'll help you take those too but today listen if you're a believer in Jesus and you haven't been baptized then today's the day according to the bible that you take your next step and you get baptized And some of you I know came in and you were planning to get baptized. Others of you, maybe you came in and you didn't know that today was the day that you're gonna be baptized. And right now I know what you're thinking. Oh my gosh, I wish I had clothes to be baptized in, right? You were thinking that, I know, a bunch of you. And so we took care of that for you we haven't, haven't done this quite this way in a while, but we took care of pretty much everything you'll need. This is just a few of the things we have for you, but we've taken care of everything we need, like, like this T-shirt that you'll get to keep. Please don't get baptized for the T-shirt, okay? Like, if you really want one that bad, we'll give you one. But, but listen, don't get baptized for the T-shirt, okay? Like, that would not be the right reason to be baptized. And so here, we got the T-shirt that, that, that you'll have. Um, we've also, we've got shorts. And if you notice, none of these are see-through, so don't worry about that, praise God. Um, this is, th- these are kind of small, but we have some like that I would need. Like, these wouldn't fit me, but we have big boy sizes too. So you can get you some shorts and they'll take care. We even have what we would call in the South, draws, right? For, for you who, who don't speak that language, these, these are underwear. And, and we have uh, different sizes of underwear. We got underwear for you to wear um, and you can even keep those things once you wear them. And, uh, <laughs> but we've got that covered for you. We've got that taken care of. Here's the other thing. You know, we've got, this, I feel pretty awkward holding this, but just to show you that we've got everything that we need. We've got sports bras, we've got those in different sizes as well. And so, um, We got everything you need i promise you if 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 there's something you need like listen we got it and here's the reason we do this here's the reason we do this it's not so that you can we can try to provoke you to some emotional response to be baptized baptized that's not what this is about this is about you taking your next step, and what we've tried to do is remove any excuse that would keep you from doing what you know God's leading you to do. We try to put you eyeball to eyeball with Jesus, and so it becomes something between you and him, your heart and his heart, and, and, and your opportunity to respond to him in obedience. So here's the thing. Some of you knew probably you would be baptized today. Some of you didn't know you would be baptized today, but in just a second, we're going to welcome you to be baptized. We will talk with you down there, uh, downstairs in the locker room where you'll have an opportunity to change, but here's the thing I would tell you if God's put it in your heart today to be baptized then I would say you need to respond to that if you're a believer in Jesus you've trusted him as your Lord and Savior and you have not been baptized as a believer then the days day it's one of the few things that the Bible is so clear about we seldom have to pray about listen you won't pick pictures of it to show your family we're going to take a bunch of pictures we're going to do all that stuff so we'll be ready but now it's up to you Would you be baptized today if the Lord is leading you to? This is what I want to do. I want to count to three. When I count to three, I don't even know who's coming. We may have baptized everybody in the first service. I think I know a couple um, that are coming up here. But if you know today that you need to be baptized, that's your next step, then listen, the first step of many more that we'll help you walk through, then I'm going to count to three. And on three, I'm going to ask you to get up and you begin to move down to the front. We're going to celebrate like crazy the people today who are celebrating the fact that they've gone from death to life. So y'all ready? I think it's gonna be good. I pray that God's moving in your heart. I pray that you would respond to how he's prompting you. And so here we go. If you're a child or you're a middle schooler, please don't do this. Let's talk to your parents before you do. Otherwise, then you'd be obedient to the Lord. All right? So here we go. One, two, two and a half, just to mess with you. (laughs) Three. Who's getting baptized today? Whose turn is it today that you say yes? Today's the day that I need to be baptized. Amen. Amen. super awesome thank you guys for responding and for taking your next step and we're going to help you take several more next steps as you walk out to go get baptized Um, if you'll follow billy and kate right there they'll show you where to go change proud of you guys thankful for you and thankful that you would respond to the gospel of jesus amen for the rest of us while they're changing i'm hoping that many of you will stay and watch this take place as they're changing i want to give you an opportunity to examine your heart and this is what I believe. I pray that the Lord has spoken something to your heart that's cut you at the core of your being, that's cut you at the, at the, at, at the deepest part of your existence and that you would respond. You we sang songs about surrendering all. Well, today, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take a, a step of faith? Are you willing to give an outward expression as they're doing of what God's done in your heart? Are you willing to come and lay some things at his feet and say, Lord, this all belongs to you? What I'm going to do is pray, and then I'm going to ask you today, you know there's something that needs to be left here today, something you need to die to, you need to let go of. There's some idol in your life. There's something that's just just taking the place of God or whatever it might be for you. But you do, and most of you know what it is right now. You're going to have the opportunity to come down here and kneel and pray. Our prayer team will come down and pray with you if you'd like. But when I pray, I'm going to ask you to move. You just begin to move as I'm praying don't even wait on me to say amen you just come and you begin to worship the Lord right here at the front and then we'll go celebrate these baptisms Father I thank you for this morning I thank you for life Lord Jesus move in our hearts cut us to the heart God God, your grace is so great your presence is so real your presence is so awesome Lord I pray that we wouldn't let anything stand in the way of knowing you God of, of being in your presence of walking with you Lord, Lord God I pray for the person right now who's struggling with an impure relationship I pray you would move in their hearts God just to come and lay that at your feet and surrender that to you I pray God for the person with an addiction that maybe uh, they haven't told anybody about God let them let them come and pray and and God give them the courage to to reach out to someone Lord I pray uh, for the marriage that's struggling maybe the first step of reconciliation is, is for them to grab hands and to come to the altar together God I pray for the pornography addiction God that person who's struggling Struggling. God, who feels trapped, God, I pray that you would move in their lives and that you would, God, uh, just begin to give them strength to go and find a brother they can they can confess and a sister they can confess these things to and who will walk with them and keep them uh, in a life that honors you, God, I pray, Lord, God, I pray for the person right now who's struggling with being a parent, God, and even have feelings of, of condemnation, because they feel like they can't get it all done. I pray that they would be able to lay those at your feet today. I pray that they would be able to let those things go. I pray, God, that they would be able to to just take it. And as they rise from from their knees, God, the weight would be lifted off of them. Just just pull that off of them today, God. Let them know that you'll be their strength. Let them know that that even if there is a a father absent in the home, God, that you can be their heavenly father, that a perfect father. Lord God, we, we love you. God, I pray for a person here today who's in pain, who's just hurting. Maybe it's chronic. I don't know what's going on, but I pray that you would heal their body. God, work in them. From the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, work in them, Lord. Lord, I just pray you would release us from these bondages and we could serve and live for you. In Jesus' name.